uh, praise singers, Brother Cruz, your team, y'all sounded phenomenal this morning. Sounded great. I appreciate that. It was just really good. I had to take my glasses off while I go and wipe tears. It just felt so good being in the presence of the Lord. And um, it's good to see some of you I hadn't seen in five or six weeks. And you look pretty good. You've, you've made it. You've made it through this. And, and some of you are like me. You've gained a couple of pounds. But don't worry about that. That's prosperity. You're being prosperous. And that's, that's just a good thing. The Lord's blessings are working on you. You're, you're being blessed of the Lord. And uh, we want you to remember Wednesday night, come and be with us in church Wednesday night, then again Sunday. And we'll, <clears throat> we'll be keeping you posted on, on what we can do and what we can't do. And we're going to stay in compliance. I know that there are some churches that are not wearing the mask today. I don't think it's a have-to. I think we would be more comfortable today doing that. So we're just breaking the ice, trying to get used to it. And, and the good thing is, I don't know if you're mad at me or happy with me this morning. I can't tell if you've got a frown on your face or a grin on your face. So that makes me feel good up here. If, if you're mad, I don't want to know it. If you're happy, just shake your head every once in a while, wave your hand. Why don't you just turn and give somebody a social distancing high five? If you know what that means, just bump a few people. Give them a bump, give them a high five. And uh, remember, remember to be careful. I know the restaurants are starting to open up. Be very careful, wash your hands, and just maintain that distance, and let's, let's just keep this under control. In fact, uh, today after service, if you don't mind, uh, let's don't stay in here and linger. Let's go out on the parking lot. Stay out there as long as you want, but uh, keep your distance, and uh, let's, let's be in compliant with that. Are you worried, Brother Gandhi? I'm really not. I'm not worried, but I'm respectful. I'm respectful to the virus, and I'm respectful to our leadership. And our leadership has asked us to do certain things, and I've tried my best to do every one of them because I want to be in compliance. I, um, I don't want to be like some of these guys that just ignored it and had church, some of them got themselves in trouble. A uh, few of them had to face the police officers, and I, I don't think that's a good reputation to have over your city. I really don't. I don't think that represents the church very well. And so we chose to be in compliance. I don't think it hurt our church. I think some of you might even got a rest that you desperately needed. Some of you were just running on octane. You were running on, uh, on fumes. You were just burning the candle at both ends. And you were forced to rest and take it easy a while. And I think it's been good for all of us. But um, just be mindful of the process. Be, be, be mindful of it. All right, I want to turn your attention to Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6. And uh, all of you 
Thank you for coming. It just looks good having a few people to preach to today. Makes me feel at home. And uh, <clears throat> you are a privilege to pastor. You're the best people in the world. And I am happy to be called your pastor. It's a joy to have people <clears throat> like you. You people are some of the most low-maintenance saints that I know of. And that's, that's a good thing. When you become low-maintenance, that means that you're maturing. That means that you're able to work out a lot of problems yourself in prayer and in fasting and in going to God with it. And that's where we need to start every time when we're having problems. Take it to the Lord first. And if you need pastor, then I'll take the little bit of wisdom I had and have, and I'll try to help you any way I can. But always take it to the Lord first. Be a low-maintenance saint. And uh, I think you can go to heaven that way. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I just read that in the King James Version. Now I'd like to read it in the NIV Version. Being confident of this, that who he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I want to preach this morning, when I was studying, I just didn't know what I was going to title this. I'm not a title guy. But I got to looking at this verse of Scripture, and I realized that through the Word of God, we are learning that we are a work in the process. Every one of us, God started working on you. He's in process of making you better. Aren't you glad of that? God is working on me. God is trying to develop me and mature me. Help me to be stronger than I've ever been. And as I was studying and looking at these verses of Scripture, I realized that. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. In the process. Everybody say, in the process. I am in the process of being a better person than I've ever been. You are in the process of being a better husband, a better wife, a better child of God, a better mother, a better father. We're in the process of going to heaven. We're not there yet. We're in the process of getting there. And honey, if you'll endure to the end, if you'll hang on, you'll make it. You'll make it if you hang on to the end and be faithful. Everybody say, God bless the Word of God. I'm pulling a garden pole this morning. For some reason, my shirt and tie does not feel right. And all of you out there in um, Facebook world, 
Uh, I know that you're used to Hollywood uh, fixing up your idols, and I hope that uh, you don't lose me as an idol. I hope you keep coming in. I keep being your idol, but I'm not wearing a tie today. If you don't like that, just pray for me and you both that your spirit will be better than it is. Webster defines complete as having all parts and elements lacking nothing, whole, entire, and full. God never starts a work that he does not desire to finish. God never has a desire to start on something and give up on it because it's not complete. When you started living for God, the Lord started a work in your life. And honey, you're the only one that can give up on God and walk away from Him and not finish the work. But I'm telling you, God has a desire to finish what He started on you. You're not what He wants you to be yet. You know what God really wants you to be? He wants you to be like one of His angels. Because he knows if he can get you to that place, he has done the work that's going to get you into heaven and you're going to be with him and be like him. Somebody say, finish it, Lord. I want to finish my work and see the Lord do what he wants to do in my life. Webster defines the word process as a continuous action, operation, are series of changes taking place in a definite manner. God has been at work in every one of us and has started on us the path to being holy and blameless. And in other words, what he's saying is, I desire you to be complete. Do not forget the words of Christ. Do not presume uh, to think that Christ would die for a nobody. You are not a nobody. He died on the cross for people that were valuable to him. And when God died on the cross, he had you in mind. He saw you in the future and he died for every one of us. Can you say amen? 1 John 3 and 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You and I are in the process of progress. I am under construction. I am better than what I was when I started this journey. God is working on me and he's perfecting you and me and we're better off than we were 10 years ago or 20 years ago whenever it was we started living for God. In the worst day of our lives, living for God is still better than what the world can offer you. I'm better than I was a long time ago. 
We are at different levels in the process and in our progress, it is different. Depending on who you talk to, the construction zones are, are not places of peace and contentment. They are chaotic and they're dangerous. Most people will say that they are messed up places, dangerous places, oftentimes unsightly places to look at. Construction zones have lots of bumps, lane changes. It starts and stops and it backs up and it delays. And sometimes there's even falling things and hazards in a construction zone. They are dirty and noisy and disorganized and confused and untidy. And uh, sometimes it's a little hectic and disgusting place to be. However, if you're talking about uh, to the architect, they will say a different story. To them, construction zone is beautiful despite all of the chaos that is going on because they can envision what the end product is going to be. They know that what they are looking at is a process. If you give it a little bit of time, it won't be long until a beautiful thing is going to show forth and people are going to be able to use it and enjoy it. I'm telling you, you may be in a construction zone today and you may look like a knothead. You may look like you all bumped up and bruised up and messed up. Your life may not be what you want it to be, but just get on through the process. Just stay in the construction zone and sing that song he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be if you will allow God to work on you honey I'm telling you God don't mess up stuff he won't make a mistake he's going to make a beautiful thing out of your life if you'll just stay with him so what is the process of the progress or the purpose of the, the progress Good in our lives is okay. God wants things to be good in your life, and that's okay. But it's not as great as better. Everybody say, I want to be better. And better, although it's greater than good, fails in comparison with our best. If you have been sick and then one day you feel good, the next day you can say I feel better than yesterday, and the next day you say this is the best I felt in a long time. During the process, because we have moved from good to better, sometimes we often will become complacent and settle for better instead of reaching and striving and trying to accomplish our best. Because better is greater than good, we become comfortable with better. However, compared to our best, better is just mediocrity. 
sometimes in the spiritual walk, people come out of the world. People come out of that lifestyle. And they begin to change. They begin going to church. And their life gets better. If we're not careful, we can stay at that light level of my life being better and never allow God to move us up to the next level of being our best. I want us to be better. I want everybody to be better. I want everybody to have good and be good. But honey, the best thing that you and I can do is reach that level of I am my best for the kingdom of God. I am giving my best. I am worshiping my best. I am living my best because I want to be the best I can in the kingdom of God. Somebody shout it. I want to be the best. Thank God that we're not doing this Christian journey all by ourselves. You and I are under construction, and it's a, a divine uh, design of God. He is doing the work. Therefore, Paul says, I am confident that you will be finished. Not that you will finish it but that you will be finished. God's going to keep working on you as long as you will allow Him. And if you will open up your life and open up your heart and not allow walls to be thrown up and doors to be closed, God will walk into your life and He'll lead you down a path that'll make you better than you ever dreamed and it could be. You and I are under construction he is the master builder, and it is his design. He told Jeremiah in chapter 18, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there will cause thee to hear my words. God wanted Jeremiah to go down and watch that potter for a little while and understand that you don't just get to a place and arrive at things in this life without some work in the process of that time. He wanted to Jeremiah to see that sometimes that old potter has to take uh, that clay and rework it and put it back on the turning wheel and start all over. And some of us have been there. We messed up. We failed God. We've done things we shouldn't have done. And many of us thought it's over. I'm a nobody and I'm a nothing. But when you are clay in the potter's hands, there's always hope that he's going to put it back on the, that turning wheel and he's going to make something beautiful out of your life. Everybody say you me Lord we're under construction we are clay in his hands and he is the one that decides what the outcome is to look like amen we all know that God has a sense of humor when we look at humanity we have to know that because there's some funny looking people in our world amen 
And I can't say that this morning because I can't see your faces. But I just know for a fact that there are some funny looking people in our world. This work that God does on humanity is a positive work. Positive means measured or moving forward or in a direction of increase or progress characterized by displaying certainty, acceptance or affirmation. And the work is a good work. And that means having the qualities that are desirable, are, are distinguishable uh, in the image and likeness of God. Good work serving and desired purpose or an end. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you, thoughts of good and not of evil to bring you to an expected end. You struggle and uh, it's good for you to struggle like the struggle of the butterfly goes through in order to become what he becomes uh, after he comes out of that cocoon. Sometimes we don't want to struggle. We like the beauty of the butterfly and we like the end result of, of what God is trying to do but we don't like the struggle but it is the struggles that we have that purify us and make us stronger and make us better somebody needs to thank God for the struggles you've had in this life we can even we can even grow from this coronavirus we can learn from it and we can prosper from it and we can have a better relationship with God than we've ever had it because I don't know about you I'm loving and appreciating God more than I ever have when you can't have something like you used to when it's not available like it used to be it becomes more valuable and more precious than ever before I want to tell somebody today this gift is precious. This church is invaluable. You can't put a price tag on it. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's great. And it's mighty. And I'm glad I'm in it. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. It's a good work. It doesn't always feel good but it's always good for you. Life is difficult. Life is very hard. Life is not fair because there are some that are blessed and do really very little to get it and others work so hard and it seems like they're never blessed. But the Bible tells us that good things happen to the bad and the good. It rains on the evil and the just. And so we know that we cannot get an attitude and a bad spirit because I'm not blessed like he is or she is.
I don't have what they have. And the Bible warns us not to compare ourselves among ourselves. But regardless of what goes on in our world, what is happening around us, I can look at myself as an individual and say, I am blessed. God has blessed me. Oh, God's been faithful to me. And I'm so glad that I am living for him today. The work that God is doing is a promise work. He will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And that is a promise. Promise means a declaration. Assuring that one will or will not do something. It is a vow. Indication of something favorable to come. An expectation expected end God is not like man he doesn't settle for mediocrity he only works in the best he doesn't get tired he doesn't say well that's just good enough he is going to finish what he started in every one of you today that's in this building and those of you that are listening I'm telling you God is working on you let him work on you but don't stop the work let him finish it God cannot lie if he started a work in you he will finish it and on that, you can rest assured that God is going to do what he said he would do. A preacher was sitting in his car at a red light waiting for it to change to green. And he just happened to glance and a young man was coming out of a rundown house. And one of the poor sections of that city his jeans were torn and worn out. His shoes were coming apart. But he noticed his t-shirt. And there was a saying on that t-shirt that said, God don't make no junk. I can forgive grammar when it's good theology. <laughs> God don't make no junk. And I am here to declare to you today that God don't make no junk. You are not junk. You are not a byproduct of something that went wrong. You are one of his children that he called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Woo! He brought you out of sin and gave you happiness and joy in the Holy Ghost. He brought you out of a life that was destroying you and gave you a church and gave you an experience that's going to make you right. The redemptive work of God in Christ has been done and God's plan is clear. Listen to it in Colossians 1. 21, the NIV. Once you were alienated from God 
and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, everybody say, but now. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. I can count on God's power when I'm in pain. I know that we're living in a painful world, but I can count on God to show up and be there for me when I'm in pain. Some of the pain that we feel is very real and very hard to deal with. Some of you came from lousy families or, or a lousy marriage situation. There are some hate-filled people, maybe at your home, and sometimes you don't even want to go back home after you've been in the house of God, and that's pain. Some of our pain has to do with our own bodies. We have afflictions that we have to live with, and it looks like tomorrow morning when we wake up, we're going to have the same affliction, and we're tired of it. That's pain. Some of you are in less than ideal work situations. You don't like your job, yet you don't have anything else you can do or haven't found anything. You go to work on Monday to unrealistic quotas, impossible deadlines, agitating people, and they're grinding you down. That's pain. Some of you have gone through the trauma of separation and divorce. That's pain. Some of you have recently lost family members, and that's so painful. Some of you have friendships that are fractured. Some of you have constant financial pressures, even the verge of bankruptcy, and that's pain. Some of you are parents, and you're brokenhearted. Because you're watching your kids make bad decisions and their lives are self-destructing and it's unbearable to watch. That's pain. Some of you are sick of being single. You're not dating anyone and marriage seems a long way off, even unrealistic. And that's pain. There's no shortage of difficulty facing us in this life you're not immune from pain none of us are we're warned in first peter to be sober and be vigilant because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour and then he says whom resist steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In verse 10 says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us into this uh, eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that he have suffered, you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. 
Oh yes, there is a devil. We all understand that. Oh yes, there are pressures. There are agitating things. And there are painful things in this world. But God can go in the middle of all of that mess. And he can make you perfect. He can establish you. He can strengthen you. He can settle you. Because you are a work in the process. And God will work on you as long as you say, I'm willing, God. I can count on God's power when I'm tempted. One of the reasons that some of the pain is in our lives is because we haven't had the power to say no to temptations in this life. We're all tempted. Not everybody gives in to the temptations. Some have become strong. They've learned to depend on the Lord. They learn to say no. They learn to be adult and strong. And they've not yielded to temptations. But the temptations have always been there and they will continue to be there until the end of this world. Paul understood this in Romans 7. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. Can anybody relate to that one? I want to do it, but I don't have the power. Temptation is out there. And, and it's, it's very powerful. A bumper sticker once said, Lead us not into temptation. I'm perfect, perfectly capable of finding it on my own. Temptation is inevitable. But the good news is, God will not allow us to be tempted beyond our own capability to handle it. You name the temptation, whatever it is, and you, you go ahead and classify it, ever how you want to classify it, but God will give you power to overcome it and to go through it and to resist it if you will allow Him. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with, everybody say with, with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God will never allow temptation to overcome you if you don't want to be overcome. He will give you power and he'll open up a way. He'll make a way where there seemeth no way for you to escape the temptation if you really want to. I feel like God's saying, when you're burned out and tired, I want to give you my power to help you be complete. In the midst of your feeling inadequate with your life. I want to give you power. I want to give you power uh, so that you can handle the dis 
devastating hurt that you're going through even right now when you feel like you've been tempted beyond uh, what you can control I want you to know God says I will give you that power we didn't, we didn't have to live powerless and weak lives. Paul understands God's power when he says in Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can't do it on my own. Paul didn't say I'm a muscle man. I'm a bodybuilder. I can pick up great things and do great things. He said I can do it through Christ which strengtheneth me I can do all things through him I can be assured that he'll give me the power I need I can depend on God's power when I'm tired anybody ever been tired before Isaiah 28 tells us for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people to whom he said this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Do you ever wish you had a body and a mind that never got tired? Anybody feel that way? I pray for energy. I do. I, I, a lot of things I just look at and I can ignore. There's things that I need to do around my house and I got to where I can look at them and ignore them, put it off, procrastinate, and just somehow forget about it after a while. Sometimes I think, Lord, if I didn't have to sleep, I could get so much accomplished. Think about it. 24 hours a day doing what needs to be done. But you know what? God made our bodies and our minds to get tired. And that's a fact. God has created us to work hard. And as a result, we get tired. And it's normal for you to get tired. Jesus was often tired while he was here on this earth. You remember when he went out on a boat? And the Bible tells us he went down in the bottom of the boat and went to sleep. And a storm started brewing and he was still sound asleep. They had to go down there and wake him up because he was asleep, so tired. Jesus frequently grew tired and weary from dealing with people. You could hear the exhaustion in his voice when he says, Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Giving of yourself to other people and their needs is tiring, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. And could that be why you're so tired. Have you been doing and giving to others so much you're just truly wore out? That's to be expected. There were many occasions in Scripture where we see the disciples were physically tired and worn out. 
They were so tired sometimes that they fell asleep at inappropriate times. But our physical bodies have limitations. And we must understand and allow that we will be tired. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. If you're weary today, I want to tell you, you need to find the shadow of the Almighty. And you need to lean on Him. Get under that shadow because you can find rest. Matthew 11 says, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And you'll feel that way when you realize that you're in the process. God is working on you. A lot of people look at the yoke. They look at the burden and there are so many people in the church world that are looking at what we are required to do and feel like they're all yoked up. Feel like God has put such a burden on them. But I'm going to tell you, when you love God and realize you're in a process, you know that that burden can be, lean, be, be shoved over to God and He can take it and you can lean on Him and you can make it not on your own, but with Him to help you. And I got one more point. I can count on God's power when I have nothing to even offer. God said, my power will show up when you're weak. Anybody felt weak before? When you feel weak, God said, my power will show up. Paul said to God, I've got this affliction. Will you take it away from me, God? And God said, no. My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. <laughs> and I love the way Paul responds he said, more gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities than the power of Christ may rest upon me. For I am weak, then I am strong. When you feel like you've got nothing to offer is when God takes over with His power to help you in the process. In the process is where we are. You are in the process of being what God wants you to be. And sometimes the process is difficult. It's hard. It makes us weary, tired. Sometimes we don't understand the process. Sometimes we don't even understand the preachers when they preach and teach the Word of God. Sometimes it goes over our head and we miss it. And then other times 
Nobody else may have felt a thing, but you bring tears to your eyes because you realize God was speaking to you. We're in the process, church. Well, Brother Gandy, give us some prophecy. Tell us about the coronavirus. No, I can't do that. I will tell you this. This is in the process. God is using this in the process for some reason. And I believe this church, like many other churches, in a way has become stronger through this than we were before it. I have seen a hunger come back into the church that has not been there for a long time. I have seen that hunger as people get on the internet and they go and find their pastor and their church and they sit down with their family and they listen to that message and they pray and they worship God in their homes. I'm telling you, this is the process. We are in the process. Don't try to throw it off. Don't try to beg your way out of it. Don't say, God, remove this from me or remove me from this. Say, God, help me to learn from it and grow from it and to follow your will and to do what you're trying to get me to do in the process. Because if we're not careful, we can miss this process and get back to being just like we were years ago when we just come to church and we just sit there and, and just take it for granted. And you know we have. We've all done that. We've all come to church and we just wanted to hurry up and get through it where we could go back and do what we wanted to do. But I'm going to tell you that's changing I sense a hunger this morning. I sense a hunger not in just this building, but in the church world. I sense a hunger in our preachers. They're, they're talking more about God than I've ever heard them talk about it. It seems like people are waking up and realizing how fragile and frail this world really is. We've all seen how the financial... Uh, prosperity of this world can diminish in a moment. And I don't think we've seen the worst of it yet. We're probably going to see some more bad times. And I'm not trying to put fear in anybody. But I'm telling you, you better get a relationship with God that will help you go through whatever we got to go through. My Bible does tell me emphatically, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. So we know God would do His part, but it's up to me to be righteous. It's up to me to be faithful. It's up to me to have my love relationship with God right. If I want God to show up and do miracles for me, I better be there for Him when He needs me. God wants me to love Him. God wants me to serve Him in these bad times that we're living in. It's different now than I can ever remember in my life. And folks, this is not, this is not during the years of tribulation. 
This is not the seven-year tribulation. And you see this little touch of what we're doing right now. I'm going to tell you, the seven years of tribulation are going to be horrible. And if you want to go to sleep and play around with God, you can. God will love you enough to let you do that. But you don't need to do that. You need to wake up and realize, I don't want to go through the tribulation. I don't want to go through the Antichrist. I want to be taken out of here. Or if I do have to stay, I want to get my relationship with God that I'm going to be okay through this. Whether you live or die, if you're in Christ, Paul said it's game. We don't like dying, but you know, every one of us are going to have to be faced with that someday. Every one of us. When I was a teenager, dying seemed like another world, seemed like another, another place. I never even thought of dying or fearing dying. Well, you know, I'm 70 years old, fixed to be 71 in June. And the Bible tells me that my days are getting limited. I'd be a fool to not live for God in my last days. And those of you who are listening to me, you would be a fool not to give your life to God and get in the church while you still can. We all ran to the stores and wanted to buy, of all things, toilet paper. How many of you looked for, tried to buy, couldn't find toilet paper? Raise your hand. Something as simple as that. One little item, we couldn't find it. Still can't hardly find it. Now you can imagine how you're going to feel. You know, you couldn't find toilet paper. But you just imagine when the rapture takes place and there's no church here. How you're going to feel when you try to find the church and it's gone. When God takes his church out of here, it's over. And you're going to wish that you'd have stocked up on God. You're going to wish that you'd have prepared for it. You're going to wish that you would have loved God more than you did. But it's just going to be like this event that's taking place. It took a lot of people un, unprepared. A lot of people were surprised. Thank God y'all had a smart pastor that warned you a week or so before. And I got some more things I'll be talking to you about a little later on that I feel like you need to be prepared for. And we will. But the most important thing you can do right now, you're in a process. Say, all right, God, I'm willing. Make me what you want me to be. Work on me. Would you stand?